0: Welcome to Today on Broadway for Friday, December 22nd, 2017. I'm
1: Broadway World's Matt Tammanini. Friday, December 22nd. Oh, my goodness. This is James Marina from Broadway Radio.
2: <laughs> and I'm Broadway AMA's Caitlin Milligan.
0: Folks, this is the last episode of Today on Broadway for 2017. We have uh, James yesterday went back and counted all of the podcast episodes that we've done up to this point this year. And this is number 361 for 2017. We'll have two more this week on Broadway's and we'll have four episodes in the queue next week to take the place of Today on Broadway. So, including Caitlin, an episode of Broadway AMA. So, unless there's something that is big news that breaks and we do another Today on Broadway next week to supplement, that means in 2017, Broadway Radio will have brought to you Three hundred and sixty-seven podcast episodes in the year, James. That means most of those were done by both of us. Um, we both—you did all the today on broadways without me, although I might have been on once or twice. I had my own podcast episodes, and then obviously Jan and Jenna and Michael and Caitlin and Natalie uh, had other shows go in. But that's a lot of podcasts. Why? Why? Why do we do
1: <laughs> that much? Like that's stupid. <laughs> Well, uh, as Matt said, three, we, we, we put out in, in, an average of one podcast a day, although there were some days that there were two or three podcasts, but um, and some days there were none. But what we're trying to do is we're trying to build a podcast network here, uh, and uh, I think 2018 is the time that we're going to start looking to our listeners to... Um, either support us through patreon we're going to uh look at look to our listeners to support us through advertising uh and other ways to grow the network even bigger we really appreciate everything that uh that people yeah we get tons and tons of email tweets support from everybody in the community and it's very much appro- uh, appreciated uh and i was telling matt that is a very complicated way to figure out how many downloads we actually get and and I'm, I sort of made a mistake on the downloads, Matt. I told you we were oh less than we were coming up on about a million downloads. We were actually coming up on about two million downloads. Oh, oh, that's a that's a lot. Of, that's
0: so. Thank you. Wow, that's I didn't expect that. I was kind of excited when you said we were getting close to a million.
1: So yeah. uh, wow, we are. Um, we're just shy of two million so if you guys get lots of devices over christmas go to every device and download the show maybe we'll break two million episodes in 2017 uh it's very exciting and we're trying to turn this into a business and pay everybody and uh make a lot of fun and make a lot of money and things like that so uh thanks to everybody for supporting the broadway radio network
0: yeah, absolutely. So uh, a couple things that I want to get to before we jump into the uh, episode itself. First up, um, since we aren't going to have many episodes be- uh, before this happens, I did want to mention that our friend and multiple time Broadway radio guest Ron Fassler is going to be bringing his memoir up in the cheap seats to Feinstein's 54 Below on Friday, January 5th. It takes place at 7 p.m. Tickets are available. At the, the show, it's going to be kind of a mix of him telling the stories that are in his memoir along with performances by some great guests including Elmore James and Michael C. Bernardini, uh, Tony nominee Stephen Bogardus, Kevin Chamberlain, Anita Gillette, Lee Wilkov, and last but not least, Tony winner Debbie Gravitt. Uh, that will be a great show. I will put a link in the show notes um, to an episode that actually came out on, on Memorial Day where I talked with Ron about his memoir. It's a great book. I loved it and it was a great conversation, so go back and listen to that and then james we have a new episode of class notes coming out yesterday slash today
1: uh yes uh so we have an episode of uh, lauren class schneider's uh, class notes coming out uh about four o'clock on friday afternoon so just in time for drive time on the east coast and uh maybe uh, (laughs) for lunchtime on the west coast uh, and uh, maybe for uh, after-dinner conversation in Europe. So, uh, yeah. Mid,
0: mid-morning for, uh, for Hawaii, too, just in case you're
1: keeping uh, track of home. Yeah, <laughs> figuring that out. So, um, uh, Ann Kaufman is the director of 100 Days down at New York Theatre Workshop. That's getting tons of buzz these days. Uh, and uh, Lauren spoke to Ann for about 15 minutes. So take a listen to that when it comes out this afternoon. Cool. All right. First up in the news. Oh, look at this. The London Critics Review, the West End production of Hamilton. Yes, uh, two nights ago, or now,
0: whatever, with all of the time differences and recording on different days, it's a little confusing to me, and I'm not very bright, especially at 7 o'clock in the morning. But Hamilton opened at the West End's Victoria, uh, uh, Victoria Palace Theater, and needless to say, there was a little bit of trepidation as to how the show would translate from an American audience, which clearly loves it, to a British audience, which would obviously have a slightly different perspective on the founding fathers of the United States of America. The show stars um, a a, almost an completely British cast. And and I think that's one of the things that really endeared it to a lot of the people that are going to talk about their reviews here in a second. But it stars Jamel Westman as Alexander Hamilton and a whole slew of folks we'll talk about here in a second. But needless to say, most of the theater people over there. Enjoyed it a lot. Time Out London's Andrzej Lukowski gave the show five out of five stars and wrote, quote, "Uh, If there were worries a Brit cast might struggle, they're unfounded. Relative newcomer Jamel Westman is a revelation in the title role. He can rap like a machine gun, sing like a dream, and being both young and prodigiously tall, he perfectly channels Hamilton's gouchousness as the socially inept but relentlessly driven immigrant, sets up trying to liberate and reform America with feather ruffling vigor pitched against him is, is silky smooth Giles Terrera, as Hamilton's mentor and nemesis Aaron Burr, a smart, inscrutable career politician increasingly dismayed by the success of Hamilton's unconventional methods. There's a touch of Mozart and Salieri in their relationship, but one of the strengths of Hamilton is that it's a rare musical that acknowledges real life is more complicated than heroes and villains. We see that Hamilton, I love this, is a bit of a dick, and we know Burr is hardly evil. In fact, guys, this is not The only review that mentions Mozart and Salieri, Um, that seems to be a theme among a lot of the British critics that picked up on that. Um, uh, Dominic Cavendish of The Telegraph wrote, quote, "'Lock up your doubters. I have to report that it really is as good as you've been told. Can you quibble that it's a bit too cold, a bit too clever, and a bit too crammed with exposition?' Perhaps, but it displays an artistic sophistication that makes most of its British counterparts look like they're mumbling into their shoes in comparison. On stage, it sounds, first off, amazing. Studio recording levels of clarity. A bullet hail of words comes our way. Witty, lacerating, compact, and playful. Thanks to director Thomas Kale, his team, and the mainly British cast across the board superlative, you barely miss a syllable and you'll be spoilt. that's S-P-O-I-L-T, by the way, (laughs) for choice as to what to come out humming. However, believe it or not, there were a few reviews that weren't wholly positive. Paul Taylor of The Independent wrote, quote, If I sometimes wanted the piece to go further... Why not an African-American woman as George Washington? This is doubtless just a tribute to the show's instigative powers of suggestion. Towards the end, though, for my taste, it starts to, ta- to tackle its serious developments with sol- a the solemnity that is faintly risable. The death and a duel of Hamilton's son, the fallout from the sex scandal, Rachel Anne Go overacts the role of his wife, Eliza, the preoccupation with the eyes of history and with legacy, those are weighty subjects, true, but the show begins to feel as if it's a little in awe of itself in the way it deals with them. I felt to musings what revivals of Hamilton might be like in years to come when it is not such an institution and directors have more latitude. That's funny, because this this production is never gonna close, so there aren't gonna be any revivals. But anyway, um, in whole I think the reviews were About as good as you could possibly imagine for a production on uh, that side of the Atlantic. And many of them pointed out the performance of Michael Gibson as the king. Quentin Letts of the Daily Mail said, quote, apart from Mr. Westman, the star of the show is Michael Gibson – as a pleasingly pudding-ish caddy George Third. I, I don't know that I've ever seen anyone described as pudding-ish, but I guess that's a very British thing. Um, we will have a, a ton more reviews at the link on the show notes at broaderradio.com. And also, there will be uh, a link there for the opening night Ham for Ham video, which is amazing. Uh, in it, Lin-Manuel Miranda and the London cast do this epic mashup of songs from the show, as well as some iconic British pop tunes, including the Beatles. And uh, uh, the Rolling Stones and some other stuff. Uh, it's it's really really good. In addition, it's like one long tracking shot as the performances weave through the backstage area and the halls, and finally onto the stage uh, of the Victoria Palace Theater. Caitlin James, have any of you guys seen this Ham for Ham yet? I know Caitlin, you were traveling yesterday, so you might not have gotten the
1: chance.
2: I saw the like I saw it posted, but I didn't get a chance to watch it. So I'm very excited to yeah, see it. Yeah, do it.
1: It's it's so so cool. I haven't seen it. I'm going to watch it this right, right after we wrap up here. They do a walk and talk.
2: <laughs> yes, I do love a walk, walk and talk. And talk.
0: Yeah, and ironically enough, last night the reason we're recording early on Friday morning is because I saw the new Aaron Sorkin movie Molly's Game. It's uh, it's very good and only is it one slight... shot?
1: <laughs> Two it hours
0: not... long. <laughs> it is not one shot, and I'm not throwing it away. Um, and it, it has it has minimal levels of Sorkin's um. Signature he problematic, directed, right? Uh, he did. It's his. It's his uh, film directorial debut, and it's it's very good. There's just a little bit of misogyny issues that I have a problem with, with in, in the movie, but otherwise, it's uh, it's fantastic. Jessica Chastain stars. It's really good. Brian Darcy James is in it as well. Speaking of King George the <laughs> Third,
1: right? Next up in the news, uh, Equity President Kate Schindel responds to a shocking Hi. report about the Miss America pageant.
0: Yeah, geez, this is another one of these stories that I wish we didn't have to cover. But uh, the the silver lining of this story is it goes to just show you how wonderful and classy Kate Schindel is. So uh, I'll give you the nuts and bolts of this. So yesterday, investigative reporter Yasha Ali published a report in Huffington Post or HuffPo or whatever it's called now that revealed some unbelievably awful emails being passed uh, around between the highest level of executives and administrators at the Miss America organization, especially CEO Sam Haskell and the lead writer of their telecast, Lewis Friedman. We will get to the content of those emails in a minute, but first, it's important to know that in her 2014 memoir, Schindel, who of course was Miss America 1998, um, she had some tough words for Haskell and his behavior on things, including how he would blackball anyone, including former Miss Americas, herself included, who questioned how he was running the organization, and she raised some questions, some questions about the organization's suspicious financial murkiness. That's kind of the backstory here. So, back in the email. There's a ton of pretty shocking stuff in them, and I'm just, you know, you can read the whole report. We'll have a link in the show notes. Um, But I'm just going to focus on the Schindel-related stuff and the stuff she talks about in her response. In one email responding to the death of a a former Miss America, Friedman, the writer, sends an email to the CEO, Haskell, and said, quote, it should have been Kate Schindel. And then in another uh, email, Friedman referred to former Miss Americas with – one of George Carlin's seven words you can't say on television. I'm sure you can figure out which one I'm talking about. All the while, Haskell was responding, laughing and supporting and even thanking Friedman for his language and comments. After the report was published, Schindel said in a statement, quote, I'm going to read the whole thing because Kate Schindel's a goddess, so why not? Um, uh, she said, quote, I, I almost don't have the words to respond to Yashar Ali's revelations about the current leadership of the Miss America organization. I first encountered Miss America when I was four or five years old, and my parents were pageant volunteers in Atlantic City. Since then, I've experienced it as a dream, a goal, a thrilling series of competitions, and in an institution that taught me to find my voice as an activist. Today, I read that a member of the production team." Wished I Were Dead, and that Executive Chairman and CEO Sam Haskell laughed about it. I read that the Board of Directors conspired to change the rules of the competition specifically to destroy another Miss America's business. I read that that same board passed around photos to email each other degrading comments about a Miss America's body. I read that Haskell, who has described himself as Gomer Pyle in a suit, and just yesterday retweeted a quote which reads, No act of kindness, no matter how small is ever wasted, thinks that it is, quote, perfect to refer to the women of the this program, as that C word that I'm not going to mention on air, uh, it makes me physically ill. The Miss America organization is a publicly funded not for profit whose stated mission focuses on the empowerment of young women through scholarship and service. I still believe that Miss America has relevance and purpose in 2017 and beyond, but in order to achieve that purpose, The entire board of directors must immediately resign, including and especially Sam Haskell. Only then can the women of Miss America reclaim its rich history and catalyze what is clearly necessary evolution. Now, James, we have often talked about our admiration for Schindle in the past and would love to have her on a guest on any of our 400 plus episodes in 2018. Um, but she continues to show why she is one of the most competent and capable capable leaders in the world of entertainment. And I just hope that when they do finally take her up on her suggestions and and fire everybody involved with Miss America right now. I just hope she doesn't leave equity to go and run that organization. Um, but she really is is remarkable. And, and I think she is leading a very noble crusade
1: here. So this is what leaders do. Leaders uh, mm-hmm. see an issue out there and they don't step back from it and take the temperature. They lead and they uh, and this is what Kate's doing. And it's awesome. Well said.
0: All right. Uh, Oh. (laughs) Now for something completely different.
1: Didn't we talk about this yesterday?
0: Yes, yes, yes. Let me explain. Okay,
1: so. Okay, so, well, I need to let the listeners know what we're talking about. So, okay. Mamma Mia, here we go again. Trailer is released. Yes, thank you. (laughs) Um, You will
0: remember that yesterday we talked about this trailer, James. You are correct. And I felt like. That was enough to satisfy my mama mia related civic duty to the yes, theater community. Exactly. I I did not plan on talking about it again today. That was until this trailer caused a bit of a conniption online yesterday. So let me get, tell you why. In the trailer, Amanda Seyfried's character Sophie is pregnant, and in talking about uh, talking to her mother's backup singers and friends, Tanya or Tanya, played by Christine Baranski, and Rosie, played by Julie Waters, she says things like. I can't do this without her. And her friends tell her that her mother was the bravest person they ever knew. Notice the past tense there. So many people on the always level-headed internet began to jump to the conclusion that I think the trailer wanted them to jump to. And that is that Donna, Meryl Streep's character, has died. Now, as we've discussed before, we know that Meryl Streep is in the movie, uh, but because there's a whole section of the movie that is a flashback to Donna, Tanya and Rosie's younger years, all of Streep's scenes could be in the past before Donna dies and people are just not having it. At all. Again, I will reiterate that I have not seen Mamma Mia on either stage or screen, but it doesn't seem to me to fit into the world of that movie uh, or musical to kill off the main character. So, in the parlance of professional wrestling, I feel like this is one big old swerve. Um, Now, Caitlin, you have a degree in some sort of movie video production type thing, (laughs) and you've worked on movie, TV, and commercial sets before. So, you tell me as the expert. In this field, it seems to me like it would be a pretty good idea to set up an audience for something in the trailer that you know they wouldn't like but would get them buzzing only to have the movie drag it out a little bit before revealing that reality wasn't what you thought. Do you think that that's a possibility, even a likelihood, in this Mamma Mia cinematic universe?
2: Honestly, as someone who you know, has some kind of knowledge of film and then also has seen Mamma Mia, I don't put it past them. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Because to me, there really is no, like, it's just a—it's a vehicle to sing ABBA songs, so they'll do exactly. anything. Exactly.
0: Kill off M- Meryl Streep, Come but like on. I could see
2: them doing it if there was like some uh. ABBA song that fits that moment.
0: Because <laughs> that's really all the movie is about. But then, but then if you kill off Meryl Streep, how are you going to bring her back in the third movie?
2: Oh gosh, I don't oh, know. Oh,
1: stop Why it right have... now! You did not just say third movie. You, you did not. use
0: two... You can't do two if you're not going to complete the trilogy. What? That's like what Rocky, would Star Wars. You know? What would Star Wars? Oh God. What would Star Wars have been if they stopped after The Empire Strikes Back?
1: I mean, we it would have, have been number four. <laughs>
0: well, five. Oh, oh five. Who, who knows? Strikes maybe this back, is. Yeah. Maybe technically, "Mamma Mia" here we go again is actually number five in the and uh, in, in the expanded Mamma Mia universe.
1: Okay, everybody, put a tinfoil hat on. Put a tinfoil hat on right now because we're going to go deep into this. Ready? Here, Maybe this whole thing is a marketing effort uh, for Death Becomes Her, the musical. could be. could Met be. Rose I was street.
0: Death yeah, I, I, she was in the movie. I, I think that they need to expand this universe to somehow include Christine and Chess so that somehow mm-hmm. – Donna, she's not dead. She's actually going and doing some production of Chess somewhere, and that's why uh, she's not there. And that's what they're talking about. And then the next movie they can do a filmed version of Chess starring Meryl Streep.
1: they done. Did, you know, did you know? Did you know? that Florence in Chess is Anastasia's great granddaughter? <laughs> Stop it! Stop! <laughs> <laughs> Stop! <laughs> Oh, my God. You know, the only thing is, is that if Donna, Meryl Streep's character in Mamma Mia, is dead, then she's the lucky one. So we don't have to talk about this again. (laughs)
0: Uh, Okay, a little harsh, but that's fine. It's the holidays. James, have a uh, heart. I still have a couple days. I got to start shopping. Yeah, seriously. Okay, here's one other thing that's a little controversial from this trailer. Um, uh, And it confuses me a little bit. Now, James, you'll remember when we talked about this before Cher was announced and it was revealed that she was playing Donna's mother. And then, you know, we just assumed that it was in all the flashback scenes because they're kind of doing that dual cast thing. But apparently that's not the case because in the trailers, Sophie, Amanda Seyfried calls Cher grandma. Cher is 71. Meryl Streep is 68. I'm all for suspending my disbelief, but come on. Meryl Streep and Cher both look fantastic for their age. I mean, you know, even if Cher had Meryl Streep when she was 14, like, that's like, what, really? I don't know, man. I guess. But like like that's, Caitlin said, it's, it's Mamma
2: Mia mo- for you.
0: Yeah, that's a, it's a movie designed to sing Abba, ABBA songs. So ABBA, ABBA, whatever. People made fun of me last time I said it. But uh, OK, whatever. People
2: made fun of you?
0: Yes. People were criticizing the way I said ABBA or ABBA. I don't know. It's the Catholic school in me. I can't
1: ever remember which way to say it. So whatever. Hmm. I had somebody yesterday describe a a, uh, a cream cheese bagel as the delivery vehicle for cream cheese. It's it's not about the bagel; it's about the cream cheese.
2: <laughs> I disagree. I,
1: I, you do. So I do you think that the cream cheese helps the bagel, or the bagel helps the cream cheese?
2: I think the cream cheese helps the bagel. I don't. I've never understood why they put so much cream cheese on a bagel that I have to like scoop it off and then like you know reapply why? it myself.
1: Because it justifies the price of it.
2: I guess
1: you know. I don't, I don't like, like. I don't like cream cheese. What? <laughs> he he's given up. He's given up caffeine, and he hasn't had a diet coke. He's been cranky. No. <laughs> All right, let's finish up this news. So we can do. okay. Noah this. Galvin and Laura Dreyfus perform for BuzzFeed.
0: Yes, yesterday, uh, Dear Van Hansen released kind of a blurry cell phone video, but it's really cool because it's uh, the show stars performing at an event for BuzzFeed. Apparently, they sang a couple songs, but the video that we have is of them singing only us. And I know a lot of people are interested in in this and trying to figure out how Galvin sounds in the role because they are so – uh, accustomed to hearing Ben Platt in this role, that bringing in someone else, especially someone who's not known as a singer necessarily, that they are really kind of cl- curious about how he sounds. We, saw, we heard him in the Thanksgiving parade, but this is obviously the full version of Only Us. The performance is not what I would call stage-level energy, um, but it's still cool to hear and see. And also, I just wanted to mention that uh, this is probably one, if not my favorite song in the show, one of the top two. Um, And my favorite moment in the entire cast album uh, is in this song, and it's not really even anything that's sung. Uh, At one point, Evan sings the line, I never thought there'd be someone uh, like you who would want me. And Zilber replies with this giggly, awkward, well... And for some reason, I just love that. I've loved it since the first time. I love the way that Dreyfus delivers it. So it's kind of cool to see this. I mean, I saw the show, but um, it's kind of nice to kind of see how she does this. It's not important, but I thought I'd mention it. Um, and also there is another video I wanted to mention yesterday. Lincoln center theater released a behind the scenes. Look at the photo shoot uh, for my fair lady um, with Lauren Ambrose and that other guy whose name I can never remember. Uh, we'll have the link in the show. There's nothing really there. They're just talking about how great, you know, it is to be a part of the show and they're not in costume or anything, but, uh, uh, our first official
1: look at this pair getting ready for the show. Uh, you mentioned that the uh, BuzzFeed had a uh, blurry cell phone video. must be uh, all those cuts over at BuzzFeed. <laughs> <laughs> this, 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 this
0: The video came from Dear Pants, so I think they were performing uh, <laughs> and just somewhat from the PR staff. Yeah, the, no. The, yeah, the marketing team just took the video. No, will
1: Galvin and Laura Dreyfus come to BuzzFeed, and you'll never guess what happened next. <laughs> the nine things that <laughs> happened when they were there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we can repurpose this for seven other stories. <laughs> oh. All right, Caitlin, take us out of 2017 on today on Broadway. Caitlin's onstage segment.
2: That is uh, some big shoes right there. Um, Yeah, so with 2017 closing, we have a couple of holiday shows and a New Year's Eve celebration to get us out of 2017 and into a 2018 off the stage. So let's start. The holiday classic, The Nutcracker, is back in movie theaters beginning yesterday. And so they will be screening over the course of the next couple weeks And it is the latest offering from the Royal Opera House's cinema series, so if anyone is a big Nutcracker fan, enjoys that for the holidays, um, definitely be sure to see that in theaters and check your local theater times. I've actually never seen the Nutcracker, I feel like, with that new—I know, I know, it's—my family's never been, like, a big ballet dance family, so I feel like we just, like, never really— cared about that, but with the new Disney movie coming out, I kind of want to see an original production so that I can understand the movie better, since I will see it, because it is Disney. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I'm a slave, and I'm proud of it. (laughs) But... (laughs) Uh, Continuing in the holiday tradition, um, Michael Feinstein continues his two-week-long 54 Below residency performing Christmas crooners. His shows are every night at 5.15 through December 30th, including a special 5 p.m. Christmas Day performance. So if anyone in New York wants to spend their Christmas night with some tunes at 54 Below, there's something that you have to go to. And then... Tonight and tomorrow, at 54 Below, Norm Lewis concludes his Santa Baby holiday shows. His guests tonight are Bobby Lewis and Anne-Marie Malazzo from Once on this Island, where you can soon be able to see Norm. And tomorrow, his guests are Bobby Conte Thornton from A Bronx Tale and Julie James from Sweeney Todd. Also performing tonight and tomorrow is Alan Cumming at Joe's Pub at the Public with his show... Alan Cummings sings Sappy Songs. Both shows are at 7 p.m., and I, for one, wish I knew what Sappy Songs he'll be singing because <laughs> I'm not going to be able to see him because I'm back home in Florida and not in New York, and I love Alan Cumming, and Sappy Songs are great, so I well, want to know what.
0: I think, I mean, that's, that's the name of one of his albums, Alan yeah, Cummings well, just... Sappy Songs, and he's been, he's been on this week on Broadway to talk about it, right?
1: Yeah, we interviewed Alan uh, about sappy songs the his, when he debuted it here in New York. Uh, I guess about a year or so ago. I, I think at maybe, least. maybe a little bit more than a year. But he sings his sappy songs from his CD. Uh, so uh, we should throw a link to that in the show notes. Uh, yeah, back to Alan.
2: That last yeah. Oh. I think it was. You were getting ready
1: Yeah, you were getting ready to graduate, you were like at the junior junior prom or something like that.
0: Oh it was it was it was February February twenty eighth of twenty sixteen actually. Yeah, so almost two years coming up, yeah. Yeah. And I remember I I knew I remembered it because I was on that episode of today on or on this week on Broadway. So there you go. Get that. Anyway, show notes. Check it out. (laughs)
2: Show notes. All right, and then on Thursday, December 28th, Christine Ebersole and Billy Stritch return to Birdland with Snowfall at 6 p.m., which is another holiday-themed show. They're singing some classic Christmas songs and other things, so if you're looking to keep the holiday spirit alive after Christmas, there's another show at Birdland for you. On New Year's Eve, Cassie Levy, direct from starring as Elsa in the anticipated Broadway-bound production of Frozen in Denver, returns to 54 Below for a New Year celebration. She will be joined on stage by her former hair co-stars Andrew Kober and Casey Sheik for a special reunion to help bring in the New Year. The show begins at 11 p.m., so it's a great way for any Broadway lovers to start off 2018. Finally, on Tuesday, January 2nd, and Wednesday, January 3rd, at 54 Below, is our time, the children of Merrily We Roll Along. The children of the original Broadway cast members of Merrily We Roll Along are celebrating the show that brought together their parents in 1981. This is the first time the kids share, unite to share their voices and stories at, this, at these two concerts. Casting for the 8.45 p.m. shows have yet to be announced, and they will be soon. And I just thought this was really cool that they're bringing together the kids of um, an original um, production of Merrily We Roll Along. I've never heard anything like this before, where they get the kids of the original cast, not the original cast. So I guess maybe (laughs) there's a special story there that would be worth seeing. Yeah, that's
1: very cool. It's like an Osmond special
2: is it bad that like i don't really know why that's funny uh,
1: i don't know why that's funny either so. <laughs> keep going sorry caitlin no,
2: that's... <laughs> speaking of by by osmond you mean like Donnie, Donnie and Bernie? Yeah. i have no well, idea he was hercules
0: yes he is the voice of, of hercules uh, the is singing kind of voice rude. all again <laughs> No, stop. Donnie's but... totally not right for Hercules
1: Mulligan. Ah, oh, stop. Oh no, Kate, Caitlin. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> off the rails. So, yes. Caitlin, I'm sorry we derailed you again.
2: <laughs> it's okay. Um, I was just gonna say that. Uh, that's all I have for. Oh. The yeah, I know. For the last 2017 off the stage, and I look forward to all the things coming up off of the Broadway stage in 2018.
1: Awesome. Matt, why don't you get us out of here? All right. Thanks for listening
0: to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio. And you can find me on Twitter at and matt. And subscribe to something like a pop on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. Thank you all for listening. It means the world to us. Have a great Christmas if you celebrate that and have an even better New Year. Caitlin, where can people find you, if they
1: can, on social media?
2: Uh, they can find me at at K-A-I-T Milligan on Twitter.
1: Excellent. And my name is James Marino from BroadwayRadio.com and BroadwayStars.com. Thank you so much today on Broadway, folks who listen to us. Uh, And thanks to Matt and thanks to Caitlin and thanks to Danielle and thanks to Natalie and everybody else who contributes uh, to bringing this show together every morning, Monday through Friday. Uh, We're here every morning. (laughs) (laughs) So um, we'll be back with... uh, Are we coming back on the second or the third, or do do we have? I don't know. We haven't talked about it.
0: I I would think the second will be will be fine. That's a Tuesday. We can do that unless you (laughs) have big plans on the 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 evening of the first.
1: No. So we'll be back on Tuesday, January second, two thousand eighteen, and we'll speak to you then.